98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Kenny Hodgart. The headlines this lunchtime. A government pandemic advisor says he expects BioNTech jabs for children to be available here next month. Police say they've arrested a doctor and three clinical staff who allegedly issued medical exemption certificates for COVID-19 vaccinations without carrying out medical consultations. And a man has set fire to himself near the office of Japan's Prime Minister. It's believed he wanted to express opposition to next week's state funeral for the former Premier Shinzo Abe. The government pandemic advisor Yao Lao Yu Lung says he expects BioNTech jabs for children to be available here next month. The lower dosage, if approved, is meant for children aged between six months and five years old. This comes after the government said it had received an application from the, dog, the drug manufacturer to supply the shots in Hong Kong. Professor Lau, who's also a paediatrics professor at the University of Hong Kong, says it shouldn't take long for the authorities to finish vetting the jabs. The Joint Scientific Committee has already approved the use of BioNTech down to six months of age on the 1st of August. So the remaining step is for the advisory panel to further confirm. Then obviously the bottleneck is when the pharmaceutical will be able to send those vaccines to Hong Kong. And I suppose as soon as it's in Hong Kong, it will be put into use immediately. A former Secretary for Transport and Housing has called for a bolder step towards reducing quarantine for inbound travellers, saying the idea of zero plus seven may not be attractive enough for visitors or business travellers. It means no hotel quarantine, but seven days of monitoring when visitors cannot access certain premises. Currently, inbound travellers quarantine for three nights in a hotel with four days of monitoring. Anthony Chung from the Education University's Department of Asian and Policy Studies told RTHK that Hong Kong needed a roadmap to normalcy or it risked losing its competitive edge. We should take a bolder step because even with 0 per 7, you have this 7, which may still be quite restrictive in terms of going to various places and that may not be attractive enough to incoming visitors. At the same time, if you are business people coming to Hong Kong for important meetings, visiting their business in Hong Kong, well, you have this seven, which might still be discouraging compared to other places, for example, Singapore. Police say they've arrested a doctor and three clinical staff who allegedly issued medical exemption certificates for COVID-19 vaccinations without carrying out medical consultations. After receiving complaints, police yesterday seized around 200 certificates issued by the Yao Ma Te Clinic at a cost of four to $5,000 each. Almost $2 million in cash was found at the clinic and at the doctor's residence. Police say investigations are ongoing and more people may be arrested. A man has set fire to himself near the office of Japan's Prime Minister. The man was taken to hospital along with a police officer who tried to put the fire out. Local media said a note was found near the man expressing his opposition to next week's state funeral for the former Premier Shinzo Abe. Opinion polls suggest more than half of Japanese people are opposed to staging such a large event. 
The UN Secretary-General has opened the General Assembly in New York with a bleak assessment of the state of the world, saying it's locked in dysfunction. Antonio Guterres said that, faced with a cost-of-living crisis and a burning planet, international cooperation was breaking down. He again urged rich countries to impose a tax on fossil fuel companies. It's high time to put fossil fuel producers, investors and enablers on notice. Polluters must pay. And today I'm calling on all developed economies to tax the windfall profits of fossil fuel companies. Those funds should be redirected in two ways. To countries suffering loss and damage caused by the climate crisis and to people struggling with rising food and energy prices. In a speech to the Assembly, France's President Emmanuel Macron accused countries who've remained silent about Russia's military campaign in Ukraine of serving the cause of what he called Moscow's new imperialism. Those who keep silent today serve in spite of themselves or secretly with a certain complicity the cause of a new imperialism, of a contemporary cynicism that disintegrates our international order, without which peace is impossible. Which of you, which one of you would consider that the day something like this was done to you by a more powerful neighbour, the silence of the region and the world would be the best response? Kiev and its Western allies have denounced plans by Russia's proxy authorities in occupied Ukraine to stage referendums on joining Russia. The Russian-installed head of the Kherson region in southern Ukraine, Vladimir Saldo, said his administration was responding to local requests. Almost every day I receive appeals from public organisations and ordinary residents about holding a referendum on joining the Russian Federation as soon as possible. Taking this into account, the administration of the Kherson region decided to prepare and hold a referendum on the accession of the region to the Russian Federation. We have set a course for reunification with Russia and will not turn back from it. Earlier, Russia's proxy administrations in Luhansk, Donetsk, Kherson and Zaporizhia announced that voting would start this Friday. Protests have continued for a fourth day in Iran over the death in custody of a young woman accused of breaking the rule on wearing a headscarf. Demonstrations have been reported in more than a dozen cities, including Tehran and Mashhad. The BBC's Rana Rahimpour reports. Women are very much at the forefront of these protests. They have gathered in their thousands in several cities, defying the strict Islamic rules of the country, some waving their headscarves in the air, some setting them on fire. A photo has gone viral of a woman standing on a car with her headscarf burning on a stick, a symbol of resistance of over four decades of brutality and violence against women in Iran. Hurricane Fiona is continuing to lash parts of the Turks and Caicos Islands in the Caribbean with strong winds and heavy rain. Officials have warned of life-threatening flooding. The Category 3 hurricane has already caused major damage in the Dominican Republic and the US territory of Puerto Rico. The BBC's Wendy Urquhart reports. Fiona gathered strength before making landfall in the Dominican Republic. It swept across the island, packing winds of up to 184 kilometres an hour, ripping up crops and tearing the roofs off buildings. Several rivers burst their banks and the streets are littered with fallen trees, lampposts and debris. 
The National Hurricane Centre is warning that Hurricane Fiona will gather even more strength in the next couple of days to become a Category 4 storm, and the storm surge could raise water levels by more than two metres. US prosecutors have charged 47 people over their alleged roles in a $250 million fraud scheme that exploited a program to feed children during the COVID pandemic. The FBI director, Christopher Wray, described the case in Minnesota as the largest pandemic relief fraud scheme yet seen. The BBC's Azadi Moshiri reports from Washington. The FBI has called it the biggest fraud case in any pandemic relief program. Prosecutors described a scheme where suspects billed the government for meals meant to feed children who needed them. But there were no children. Instead, the suspects kept $240 million worth of funds and spent it on things like real estate, jewellery and even luxury cars. It was allegedly coordinated by a non-profit called Feeding Our Future in Minnesota, with shell companies running fake distribution sites meant to feed thousands of children. One of Hollywood's leading awards ceremonies is set to return to television screens next year. The Golden Globes was dropped by the American broadcaster NBC last year amid controversy over a lack of diversity amongst its voters. The BBC's David Willis reports. Leaders of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association have embarked on a frantic series of highly public reforms. More than 20 new members joined last year, six of whom are black, and the organisation has just taken on more than 100 new voters from outside the HFPA. But some in Hollywood still question whether the reforms have gone far enough, especially in light of the group's recent decision to sell the rights to the Golden Globes to the billionaire Chelsea owner Todd Bowley, thus turning the show's assets private. In finance, Tencent Music Entertainment Group traded slightly above its US value this morning as it debuted on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. The online music firm opened at $18 each, flat compared to the closing price of its New York-listed stock. The company announced last week that while New York would remain its primary listing venue, it would carry out a listing by introduction in Hong Kong, which means no new shares or fresh capital have been raised. One US-listed share represents two Hong Kong shares. The debut has come as US audit officials began reviewing US-listed Chinese firms here after mainland authorities agreed to allow them to do so to avert the company's potential delisting. To sport and England's cricketers have taken the opening T20 international by six wickets in Karachi, their first match in Pakistan for 17 years. The BBC's Andy Barwell reports. England's cricketers were six-wicket winners in their first match in Pakistan since 2005. Well, in the first of seven T20 internationals in Karachi, England got home with four deliveries to spare. Pakistan made 158 for seven, Mohamed Rizwan striking 68 from 46 deliveries, while captain Baba Azam added 31. But it wasn't enough because on his return to the side after being dropped for off-field issues, Alex Hales made a half-century in England's successful run chase. England hadn't visited Pakistan for 70 years, uh, 17 years following the, ta- the attack on the Sri Lankan team in 20, uh, 2009. The former England assistant, Paul Farbrace, was on the Sri Lankan team bus that was attacked by gunmen. He hopes more teams will tour Pakistan in the future. 
you want all of the major countries, England, Australia, India, to travel to all teams and play all teams in the world. Because when we get to that stage, we know that international cricket is finally back where we want it to be. So, you know, I'm no expert on, you know, the history between India and Pakistan, but I, I do hope that at some point they are back playing regular games because... Let's be honest, from a cricket point of view, they are absolutely fantastic, let alone what they do for bringing their countries closer together. So, as I say, I'm no expert in that area, but I do hope that it happens, and it happens soon. Australia beat India by four wickets in the first match of their T20 series at the Mohali Stadium in Punjab. Hardik Pandya smashed 70 run, 71 runs off 30 deliveries to help the hosts reach 208 for six. Australia chased that total with four balls to spare, thanks to Cameron Green making 61 and Matthew Wade 45 not out. The second match is on Friday. To football and Hong Kong's long-awaited international match on home soil. The SAR host Myanmar in Mong Kok tonight in the first of two friendlies against the Southeast Asian side. Tonight's game will be played behind closed doors, but Saturday's rematch at Hong Kong Stadium will be open to fans. They are the first international fixtures in Hong Kong since November 2019, when the city hosted Bahrain and Cambodia in World Cup qualifying. Coach Jorn Anderson picked up a squad that, fe that featured, a, the, featured at the East Asian Cup in July, but players signed with mainland clubs are absent. Our football commentator, Chris K.L. Lau, says Hong Kong will be fine even with a few regulars missing. Hong Kong have managed well without their Chinese Super League and China League players. A big loss will be Matthew Orr, who plays in China League One, though in come players like Alex Jojo of Easton, who are young and very promising. Hong Kong have a mix of young players like Jesse Yu of Rangers and senior experienced pros like Shilio, Alex Akande and Fernando as strikers, so it's a very good balanced team. Hong Kong players who continue to impress in these two friendlies against Myanmar might make it very hard for the China-based players to regain their spots, but competition is good and it will drive the squad forward. European football's governing body has banned Russia from qualification for Euro 2024 following the country's attack on Ukraine. Russia and its clubs have been banned from European and FIFA competitions since the conflict began in February. While Russia has been dropped, Belarus will still be in the qualifying draw when it takes place in Frankfurt on October 9th. One of Spain's biggest clubs, Atletico Madrid, has strongly condemned racist chants by some of its supporters outside its stadium before Sunday's derby against fierce rivals Real Madrid. The chants were aimed at Real's Brazilian winger Vinicius Junior. Atletico had promised to strip club has promised to strip club membership from any individuals who took part, saying it has zero tolerance of racism. And to end the news, the top stories once again. A government pandemic advisor says he expects BioNTech jabs for children to be available here next month. Police say they've arrested a doctor and three clinical staff who allegedly issued medical exemption certificates for COVID-19 vaccinations without carrying out consultations. And a man has set fire to himself near the office of Japan's Prime Minister. The news from RTHK. On your radio and live online, this is The Brew Till Two. You know I know how to make you stop and stare as I fall out. The club ain't even handle me right now. I see 
arrogant like yeah. Top like money's all the girls just mail. One too many, y'all know me like twelve. Look like cash and they all just there. Bottles, models, better no share. Fall out, cause that's the business. All out, it's so ridiculous. Don't have so much attention. Scream out, I'm in the business. David Guetta on Radio 3 Club can't handle. It's the brew. It's Wednesday. It's 18 minutes past one. I'm with you until two o'clock this afternoon. Wednesday is always classical music day, one way or another. Colin's still away on his travels in Europe. He will be joining us, well, as soon as he can, really. But today, classical music day special. In about 10 minutes, going to welcome Iranian harpsichord virtuoso Mahan Esfahani. Now, he's performing at City Hall next Monday. And a big thing called the Art of Fugue, the harpsichord, one of the most significant musical instruments ever invented. I certainly don't know much about it. That's what we're going to be doing in 10. 